Hello and welcome to episode four of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast all about awesome female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment and the actors behind these memorable characters. I am super excited about tonight's episode, so let's go ahead and dive in. News. I posted about this on Twitter, but if you don't use the social medias, Sci-Fi Channel has announced its summer show releases for Winona Earp and Killjoys. Winona Earp is set to release Season 3 on July 20th, 2018. I will be having a special Winona Earp-themed episode on July 18th to get us all pumped for the new season. I'm hoping Season 2 shows up on Netflix for a rewatch soon before Season 3. Killjoys will also be released the same day, July 20th. Winona Earp first, and then stick around for Killjoys after. If you aren't familiar with Killjoys, it is a pretty solid space opera, and I love a good space opera, Uh, so this one is a lot of fun. We'll have a dedicated episode later in this season about that show. That's about it for this week's news. If you find any nerdy stories and you want me to see, tweet them to at LasersLockets, or post them in our Discord and I'll check them out. Okay. So I have been fascinated with artificial intelligence, augmented humans, robots, anything along those lines since watching Data in Star Trek TNG as a child. As a teen and even as a young adult, though, I couldn't quite put a finger on why I was so fascinated. It wasn't until this year that I was finally able to articulate why I'm so fascinated and why I think we as humans are fascinated. So I thought it would be a fun premise for an episode. I think the best way to discuss this premise, though, is by talking about a couple of my favorite non-human humans over the years. Let's go ahead and and dive in here. First up is Seven of Nine. In Season 3 of Star Trek Voyager, Seven of Nine joins the Voyager in the episodes Scorpion and Scorpion Part 2. I think that they're episodes 26 of season three and episode one of season four. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what they are. If you haven't watched them, go. Well, finish this episode first and then go watch them. Let me set the stage. Remember Species 8472? They're a pretty creepy, pretty powerful and ruthless race, and they drove Janeway to form an alliance with the Borg to help them defeat Species 8472. Species 8472 was one of the only species to be a true threat to the Borg. Side trivia. The two-episode story got its name from a parable that Chakotay tells Janeway about a scorpion that catches a ride across a river on the back of a fox. However, Halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the fox, and the fox turns and asks, why? The scorpion says, I couldn't help it. It's my nature. That fits well with the Borg, and I think that's what Chakotay was getting at, but I thought it was kind of a fun little trivia bit there. Before Species 8472 destroys the Borg cube, which Janeway, Tuvok, and Seven of Nine are on, they're beamed to one of the Voyager's cargo bays. The Borg assimilate the cargo bay, and a bunch of other things happen. Again, go ahead and watch that episode if you want a reminder. But all of this leads to the crew of the Voyager severing Seven of Nine's connection to the Borg. It's a pretty intriguing end to the episode. We see Seven on a biobed and sickbay, 
and you can see a pale peach human-like skin color starting to peek through the sickly gray of the Borg drone. Thus begins her journey to becoming a likeness of a human again. I can't really say that she ever becomes fully human again, but she does become a solid likeness of a human. Quick quiz question. What was Seven of Nine's human name? I'll give you three seconds. Three, two, one. If you just said Annika Hansen, you win five gold phasers. Annika and her family were assimilated when she was a child. Having been assimilated as a child, I think it was a lot harder for her to reintegrate as an individual after she was severed from the collective. Slowly but surely, though, her humanity begins to reassert itself over the run of the series. I think at first, they sort of tried to make her transition too quickly, but the writers definitely corrected that fairly quickly after, the, uh, after she started being on the series, and they made it kind of a slow burn instead. Eventually, she even starts to explore romance and romantic feelings. Uh, it's not really until season seven, though, that that starts to come out, but it's pretty awesome. This brings me to the first part of my realization. I think part of the reason why we're so fascinated with AI, technologically advanced humans, robots, uh, that kind of thing, is because stories about sentient AI explore what it really means to be human and what it means to be alive. Seven's whole storyline is her learning to be an individual and, well, human again. And when I was a teenager watching the storylines unfold with her, I was always drawn to them over many of the other characters on the show. I felt for her trying to navigate the nuances of interacting with and understanding humans around her. But the big aha moment that I had during my recent rewatch of the series was, wait, really, what is normal? What does it really mean to be human? So what if Seven doesn't always handle situations in the same way we think a human would? She's still a person, an individual, and she's okay the way she is. Seven had been part of a hive mind, a collective hive mind, for so long that sometimes she can see things and consider things in a different way than an individual could. That can be beneficial in certain situations and not so stellar in other situations, but she is her own person and that starts to develop through the run of the series. Seven, and the actress behind her, Jerry Ryan, really shook things up on the Voyager. And I mean really shook things up. It was not flowers and rainbows. Kate Mulgrew did not like her. Fun fact. But I believe she was a pivotal character in exploring my humanity and what it meant for me to be alive too. And I think that's what appealed to a lot of people who started watching Star Trek Voyager. Seven undertakes to study the crew of the Voyager after she joins them. As she begins to learn and grow as an individual, some pretty heartwarming and funny incidents occur. Remember that time Neelix tries to teach her how to cook and she won't let Chakotay or anyone substitute drinks or seasoning while they're sampling her masterpiece meal? Or how about that episode, Someone to Watch Over Me, where she's keeping a log of Bolana and Tom's intimate relations? That episode actually has one of my favorite Seven of Nine quotes in it. She's talking to the doctor and he says, 
you're a woman, Seven. And she replies, totally deadpan. Is that an observation or diagnosis? The episode Body and Soul is one of my favorite 709 episodes from season seven. I think it's episode seven of season seven. As the doctor's program overtakes Seven's body, we get to see a much more comedic and expressive character. But it kind of also explores a darker side of that, of somebody not being in control of themselves and somebody else taking advantage of that. And it's kind of a, a fascinating look at that. Over the run of the series, I found it fascinating and kind of perfect that the person who teaches Seven the most about integrating back into humanity and to develop her individuality is the Doctor, a holographic program. Again, it speaks to that notion of what does it really mean to be human? And the fact that a computer program does a better job of teaching Seven about individuality than most of the crew, to me, was comforting. Now, I have to share a minor grievance with the portrayal of this character, and it has nothing to do with the actor or the writers. I feel it was sort of ridiculous to make this poor young actor wear a bodysuit for four years. It absolutely showed who they were trying to gear the show toward, and that bothered me as a teenager. I always wanted Seven to be able to replicate more comfortable clothing. I know they explained it away as something scientific to do with her Borg physiology, but come on. They could have designed a Starfleet uniform or a similar outfit that was more like the other uniforms or outfits on the show. Voyager did like to distinguish individuals who weren't Starfleet with unique outfits, but none were as as sexist to me as that dang bodysuit. I mean, that may just be me. Uh, I'm more of a comfy jeans and t-shirt kind of gal. Did anyone else feel the same way about that? Just me? Okay, I could discuss the nuances of Seven of Nine for hours, but let's move along to another favorite. Recent exploration of this character was actually sparked by a quote from Westworld in the very first episode. William asks a host, are you real? And she responds, if you can't tell, does it really matter? Before there was Westworld, though, there was Battlestar Galactica. I'm specifically going to explore the rebooted series here that ran from 2004 to 2009. I was right in the midst of college when I discovered this show, and it was impactful, to say the least. I remember sitting there on my bed, watching the series finale, wrapped in a Snuggie, and saying, holy crap, and oh my goodness, out loud, when everything was revealed. It was the first time I had seen robots living completely integrated as humans, without humans even knowing, and it raised the question of what it really means to be real, to be alive. If you're a Battlestar Galactica fan, I think you can probably guess which Cylon I'm going to talk about the most tonight. It's Six. The Cylons were designated different models, and Six was a super fascinating model to me. She was complex, much like the other Cylon models, but her complexity brought a a feminine strength to the show. By the end of the series, I honestly found myself rooting for the Cylons over the humans, as to me, they were more relatable and understandable. Battlestar Galactica explored the theme of robots being created by humans to aid and assist humans, first with normal everyday tasks and then being sent into war as soldiers. 
eventually the Cylons become sentient and they overthrow the humans. A bloody war ensues. Eventually an armistice is reached though and the Cylons disappeared to their own planet and no one heard from them for a very, very long time. Then the very first line that occurs in the pilot episode, which is the very beginning of the miniseries, is delivered by a six. She meets the human representative on the space station and asks, Are you alive? That line pretty much is the catalyst for the entire run of the series, as it explores what it really means to be alive. The sixes are played by Trisha Helfer. I've seen her in a handful of things since Battlestar, including Warehouse 13 and several other shows. She's a lot of fun to follow on Instagram as well, so if you're not following her, she's definitely one to check out. She's still good friends with Katie Sackoff, who played Starbuck, Kara Thrace, and uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of see their banter back and forth on Twitter, too. The Sixes often use seduction to further their cause, more than any other Cylon model. They also show a strength and intelligence and an evolution beyond simply being a pretty face. Gaius Baltar very much cares for the Sixes, particularly the, quote, head six, or the one that's in his head, but he takes care of the others along the way. Caprica Six has kind of a, a love-hate relationship with Gaius. She takes care of him and defends him at some points in the series. Uh, for example, at the very beginning, she shields him from a blast wave when he was on Caprica. But then she also leaves him at the mercy of other Cylon models at other points in the series. It's kind of an interesting um, relationship. One of the things that I find really fascinating about the Sixes is that they show very real emotion. They show the strength and intelligence of the Cylons as well. Various Sixes are seen throughout the series in commanding roles. They're often the most persuasive of the Cylons as well. Because the Sixes appear so prevalently in Battlestar Galactica, you do see lots of different sides of them. In some, you'll see more vulnerability. In others, you'll see a greater strength. In some of them, you'll also see that maybe they're a little bit weaker than the other ones, um, a little bit more willing to give in to certain things. The Sixes are firm believers in their race's religion. See, the Cylons are monotheistic, uh, so they believe in one god, whereas the humans are polytheistic, or they believe in many of the gods. And the Cylons are the ones who convert Gaius to their cause. There are other female Cylon models. Um, Eight comes to mind. That one was Sharon or Boomer. Um, Eight does show a more compassionate, kind Cylon model. Six believes she's weak, but compassion is a strength with her model, I think. Uh, there's also the three model, I believe, is the one that's another really cool female one. That one's played by Lucy Lawless. So much fun. There are so many other characters and shows and movies that we could discuss tonight, so I think this is a good way to lead into a bit more of a recommendation section. A longer recommendation section, I should say. There are so many solid shows and films that do almost humans really, really well, and they help you to explore and question what it means to be human, real, and alive. 
what I think I'll do is I'll kind of mention some shows and the characters to look out on those shows. And uh, this should give you a jumping off point for series to check out, movies to check out, and uh, something to do in the meantime between our episodes. So first, of course, I'm going to recommend Star Trek Voyager. On that show, there aren't too many almost humans, and by that I mean artificial intelligence, um, robots, that kind of thing. But Seven of Nine is the closest thing that they come to with that. Uh, if you can think of another character, definitely, definitely let me know. Next, of course, we can't have a list without Westworld. On that show, Dolores, Clem, Maeve, so many characters are really incredible as far as the artificial intelligence is concerned. The next series is called Humans. If you haven't heard of that series, I believe it's BBC. It might might be a different channel, but it's a British show. And the two characters to look out on there are Mia and Niska. Um, they are artificial intelligence. And the interesting thing about humans is that um, up until a certain point, the robots that are there, they never pass the Turing test. But once a, I guess they call it a virus is downloaded into them, they start passing the Turing test without issue. The only thing that distinguishes them from the humans that you could tell is their eye color. So uh, it's definitely an interesting show to check out. I think it's on Amazon Prime if you're interested in checking it out. That's a good way to go. Um, next, I also, of course, am going to recommend Battlestar Galactica. If you haven't watched the series, it really is a lot of fun to watch, and it will leave you on the edge of your seat the whole time. The sixes, eights, and threes are the coolest, I think, of the Cylon models. Um, the threes I'm mostly recommending. They didn't have a huge part in the show, but I'm mostly recommending them because, I mean, they're played by Lucy Lawless, who is Xena, so we can't really go wrong there. Okay, uh, the next one I would recommend is The Machine. Not so much for the storyline, it is kind of a B-rated movie, but Katie Lotz plays The Machine, and she's an android who is designed to be a soldier, but her creator sees a bigger purpose for her. Um, somebody who could be a mother for his daughter, or to have other purposes in society, so it's a pretty interesting look at that. One of the most fascinating things is that the original designer of the machine um, takes the machine to this lab to be tested with the Turing test, and the robot initially fails the Turing test, but suddenly passes it because she corrects herself and understands what she did wrong. It's super interesting at the beginning. All right, and then lastly, I think I'm going to recommend Dark Matter. Um, I've mentioned it a couple times before, but there are two really cool characters on that show. The first one is the android, which is the ship's avatar. And then the other one is Two, or Portia. And Two is actually an illegal being that's been created in a lab. And she's a really fascinating character, very rich, very intelligent, very strong. Uh, there's actually one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen is her taking down almost an entire ship of corporate security goons and all of her friends are locked in a, uh, a vault and they are 
giving sort of oxygen deprived speeches of grandeur and how that when they get out of there they're going to take care of everybody on the ship and two is just out there taking care of everything so it's kind of a really fun fun episode um, so definitely check that one out all right it's that time to bring you into the fold audience resistance is futile do you have a favorite ai android robot almost human character or series that you think we should check out Let's discuss this over on the Lasers and Lockets Discord or on Twitter at Lasers Lockets. And we'll see you back here in two weeks for another episode. In the meantime, spend some time with your favorite AI, get your nerd on, and be awesome. All right. <laughs>